Welcome to All Stars in Transit, where we talk travel to All Stars, the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. Travel is our common passion, and we'd like to share with you our stories, tips, and recommendations. I'm your host, Abby, and this week, our guest is Len from the Airline Commercial Department. Welcome to All Stars in Transit, Len. Thank you. It's nice to be here, Abby. So before anything else, I always ask my guests, how did you get started in AirAsia and what were you doing at the time? So I was actually working in the FMCG. Basically, I just moved to AirAsia because I loved to travel. That was the only reason. I was 26 or 27. I've been with AirAsia for nine years now, so that's quite a journey. But the main reason was really I was getting into traveling during that time and the, the idea of earning and being able to travel at the same time was quite interesting. We're in your passion meets something that you actually do as you do for a living, to earn it for a living. So I started as a marketing manager in the Philippines. Now I'm based in Kuala Lumpur as regional commercial head. So what does a regional commercial head actually do? A lot of it is marketing, but also identifying markets and working with the other departments such as network, route revenue, and pricing to identify where we could go next, where we want to enter next, and just making sure that whatever route that we launch, it's going to be profitable. So a lot of it happens on the marketing side, but also a lot of coordination with the other departments to make sure that when we do launch the route, it's also sustainable. Coming from just handling the Philippines market, I'm also handling the AirAsia X market, which is our mid-long haul. And that's very exciting. It is. So, you know, I'm also learning a lot of new things, learning a lot about new markets that I have handled, I haven't handled before, like Australia, and now we want to go and enter for further places like Europe, hopefully. So it's quite an, it's quite exciting, and you could also see that you know the airline industry is actually recovering already from the pandemic because the demand is coming back, and we are expanding to new markets and newer regions. So of course, aside from the work stuff, you are also very much an artist at heart. Would you say? Yes, I would like to think so. Um, you know, the the work can be demanding. The way that I could cope with stress and the, to cope with everything else that I need to do, uh, I do creative stuff or do a lot of new things. So I'm into surfing. I'm also into doing yoga and free diving and scuba diving. But at the same time, if I can't get into the water, I would go and read books or write poetry. This book of poetry is uh, something that is not very common like amongst travelers there's so many people who travel but not everybody is able to write about it um can you tell us a bit about how it got started the thing with traveling is if you really immerse yourself in the culture no matter how quick the stay is may it be an overnight or just a few days it's actually very inspiring and one of the reasons why i started to write was i wanted to write down my insights of what I've learned in terms of the culture of the place, new experiences, what I've learned about myself while I'm traveling. You know how when you're traveling, you'd realize you like doing this, but you don't like doing that. And then when you're, a, when you're with a group of people, 
you also realize, okay, this type of person, I don't want to travel with, <laughs> unfortunately. And then you'd also realize, okay, this type of person, I could travel with her or him for like a very long time. So those things, I wanted to write it down because in a way it was building my self-awareness and also building my self-confidence. And then later on, it turned into poetry because I was reading a lot of poetry books. So I have no background on how to write one, but I just started writing it. Like diving? No, you just jump yeah, right in. You just do it. <laughs> okay, so I'd like to invite you to read your introduction to your book of poetry. Please go ahead. We are born into this world to grow, to move, to change, to be whoever we want to be. We are a summation of everything we experience, all the things we see, and all the people we meet. Everything our bodies, our souls, our, heart, our hearts touch, we are. To limit myself inside a box created for me, or worse, a box I created for myself is my greatest fear. So I learned to travel despite the many excuses, reasons, and circumstances to not go. I learned to leave. I learned to get lost. I learned to come home, then did it over and over again. Traveling is not a solution to anything, whether it's heartbreak or a loss, and it's not always fun. But that's the beauty of it. It builds you, breaks you, and recreates you, as does life. So here we are, here are some fleeting thoughts and a few of my memories about souls I met during my travels. I hope you get out there and make some for yourself. For whatever reason or excuse you have, go and travel anyway. Wow, and that is also the name of your Instagram. It is. <laughs> travel anyway. It is, it is also the name of, uh, I think that's where the inspiration came from. That was very philosophical. It was like, you know, meditation. Uh, during those times, I was very much into yoga and meditation, actually. And the, the book was, half of it was getting to know myself more, and half of it was also about healing. So it was very emotional in the sense that um, what helped, it helped me process my emotions along the way, whether it be, be something that I'm just learning about myself or also learning how to deal with grief and loss at the same time. Was there a particular moment or particular instance that you were grieving over? When I started writing the book, half of it, I was also dealing with the loss of my dad. And I actually finished the book a year after. I found that it was very helpful in the sense that it made me put into words what I was feeling. And while I was traveling, there were certain moments, there were certain places, or there were certain experiences that magnified those emotions. And if you if you know grief or if you know lost, there's a very strong emotions. And if you don't know how to deal with it, it can be very overwhelming. Mm, so true. traveling was a way for me to to make sense of those emotions. And I put it on paper or I put it on writing and it made me feel better afterwards. Oh, that's good to hear. Travel is powerful. Agree, agree. And it also gives you bigger perspective. Um, the other thing about traveling also was 
you get to meet different people from all over the world and even though you just met them there's sort of a connection wherein you can actually talk about the important stuff without having to be scared if they're already judging you or whatnot and there's also no commitment that you know you need to keep in touch after that good if you if you can right but um but that's the beauty of traveling you get to meet people from different backgrounds different cultures you get to open up and you leave that part of you with them and they they you know they they also give part of them to you and you take that as a learning or you take that as an experience and it just recreates you as a person after those after traveling you come home you get to meet the same people every day when you go to work and whatnot. One thing that I realized was it also made me more understanding and more appreciative and more um, more patient when it comes to dealing with different personalities at work, different personalities in life in general, and even... Um, becoming more understanding of different perspectives that I might not agree with, but I am open to learning about it or open to listening to it. And especially here in Air Asia, people come from everywhere. So you have to be uh, understanding that there may be some cultural differences and you come from different backgrounds. That's also, I guess, one of the reasons why I've been, I've been here for nine years. It's also the diversity that I really like and I really love when it comes to understanding the different opinions, different perspectives, and even different ideas that, that we would actually face on an everyday, on an everyday conversation. So now I'd like you to think about your, some of your favorite destinations and perhaps pick one or two poems from those places. Okay, if it's only the book, it will be Rome or Paris. But now, so I've just traveled during pandemic. I think two of my favorite would be when I went to Canada in Yukon, where I saw the Northern Lights. Ah. So that's a check on my bucket list. And then a few months after, I also went to uh, the Sahara Desert. And then, you know, I rented this glamping tent overnight. And then when you wake up, you're having breakfast in the Sahara Desert, overlooking the Sahara Desert. That was, that was mind-blowing. It's definitely a core memory for me. Which part of the Sahara Desert was It was, it was the one near Morocco, because I attended the wedding of my friend in Morocco. And then I decided... You know, why not just extend for a few days to go around? And then my last stop was the Sahara Desert. Okay, this one is in Paris. Yes. Uh, are those your photographs as well in the book? Yes. Nice. So I take photos for my Instagram, <laughs> but it's all by phone. So, yeah. Okay, so this one is entitled Travel. And in any travel, the saddest part is not when it's time to go. It is a few days or hours before you do. Traveling teaches us to live in moments, to appreciate what is. It reminds us that there's always a time for everything, including letting go. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. I felt that. I felt that. But, we have a word for it in Tagalog. It's called hugot. Yes. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of that here, actually. Wow. There is a lot of that here. Mm. Let me see. 
see if I can find room. Oh, here. This is from the Eternal City. This is, yes. So this one is inspired by the Colosseum. We are gladiators fighting for our lives and maybe for our freedom, trapped with lions and bulls to entertain the townsmen. We lived in cages, pretended to have our own world, where our lives were spectacles only viewed by you and I. We are fighters fighting for our freedom in this mad, crazy world, where tears, blood, and violence are metrics of enjoyment. We are ruins admired by tourists, our stories shared through sugar-coated words in recorded voices, voices not uttered by you or me. And tourists capture our stories with their cameras as they stare at the Colosseum, tantalized by ruins made through sweat and tears, history written neither by you nor me, robbed of our feelings. Now I'm super curious, what was your state of mind when you were writing this? It was like you were conjuring all the spirits of the Colosseum out, or were you also going through something at the time? Because when we did the Colosseum, we were also having those headsets where they tell you about the history and stuff. So it was a mix of what was the history behind the place. And because whether we like it or not, everything that we do is very much connected to love. So that's why there's parts, bits and pieces of the poetry where it's always connected to either a heartbreak or something that you realize about love. Um, and it may not be romantic, but you know it's still a form of of um, it's still a form of love. Like it's so cruel. The world is so cruel suddenly. So I thought, oh, maybe Len was going through something at the time, <laughs> and it sounded like everything was a fight to the death. It is. It is. Um, that's also what I realized while writing the poetry. A lot of it was inspired in a way that it makes you feel emotions, but it doesn't necessarily mean that those emotions are yours. And that's where the inspiration came from when you visit those places. I've learned to book the guides, you know, the audio, the audio um, tour guides when you go to these historical places. Because when you were younger, you would just want to take photos and that's it, right? But as, you, as I grew older, I realized the benefit of actually listening to where those places came from, what happened to it, who are the people who are involved and whatnot. Because it also, it is a story. And like any other story, you know, the good ones are worth listening to. It also gives you some learnings and insights that you would want to maybe take into consideration and see how that helps you as a person. There's definitely a lot to learn from history. And also it makes your experience at that place so much richer. Correct, yeah. If you've just joined us, you're listening to All Stars in Transit, where we talk to the people working behind the scenes at Air Asia. My name is Abby, and today I'm speaking to Len of the airline commercial team. So you had mentioned earlier um, seeing going to the Yukon and seeing the Northern Lights. Can you share more about that experience? I was supposed to go to Iceland. So Iceland is my next destination. It was 2021 and supposedly the pandemic was almost over, but Omicron happened. So I decided 
you know, I don't know if the borders will close. So I'd rather stay in just one country rather than just moving around because I was supposed to go Canada to Canada and then Iceland. I rescheduled my Iceland trip and just stayed in Canada. And they said there's Northern Lights in Yukon. I don't think a lot of Canadians want to go to Yukon. They have like 50, negative 50 degrees in winter. And I didn't know what that felt like until I was there. <laughs> so I booked a tour online and it was a three-day tour where in every night you would go out, stay up until 10 to 4 a.m. Um, but they didn't guarantee if you're going to, to, to see it. Fortunately for me, the first night it showed like around 11. So what you're going to do is you're going to stay in the hut they would serve you hot chocolate and some snacks and some cookies while waiting for the Northern Lights to show up. And there's going to be a bonfire where you can make marshmallows and chocolate. And we were waiting. And then all of a sudden, you know, the guide called us because he said he's seeing something. And when you went out, it was there. You could see it in, you know, you could see it with your naked eye. There was a there was a flash of green and a few other colors. And then when you take your phone out, it would be amplified. But without your phone, you could also see it. And it was breathtaking because when I was reading about it, they were saying the Northern Lights were dancing. But I didn't understand what they meant by dancing because, you know, how could you see it move? But then when I was there, it was like... I was taking a video of it, and but I could see it was moving slowly, but not really. When I was watching the video after after the first night, you could actually see it move slowly, and it was a different experience. It was it was awesome, and then I saw it again on the second night. The third night, it's not so much because it was very cloudy. Did you get any sleep at all on those nights? <laughs> oh, I was prepared. <laughs> I was prepared not to not to sleep. Um, I met a few people, forgot their names, but it was a good, you know, it was good because we were exchanging stories while waiting for the lights to come out. And then the whole thing with the lights, how long actually does it take? Well, it was there for a good hour or so. <sighs> So it, it's, you know, it's good. Um, but there are times where it would only show for a few minutes and then it would be, it would be gone. So also, what is in the Yukon? I only know about it from potatoes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so what I love about Canada in general is there's a lot, you know, it's very big on nature. And when I went there, it was winter. So in Yukon particularly, um, there are a lot of walk trails or even running trails where there's just a, you know, you, you'll be walking by the river and there's a few, a few trees and fo forest-like trails um, that could go on for like four or five kilometers. So that's a, that was a nice one. Like I was doing that for most of the days and it's just a very small community in a very small village. I saw a lot of animals that I didn't know existed. Yeah, there's also a lot of wind animals that only are that you would only see in very cold countries. So I also went to that area and I saw a bunch of them, like reindeers and caribou. It's a it's a it's a small um, town, but 
it's very cozy. So it was the experience was also nice, and the people were really, really friendly. Were there any uh, native tribes? There is, there is. People? Yeah, yeah. There is some indigenous people there. Um, I wasn't able to get to to see them, or but I've read a few when I visited the museum. So that's something to think about because usually when you travel, you don't really think about Canada. I think it doesn't come to mind at first. So funny story why I decided to go to Canada was when there was a lockdown. You know how you can't go out because I was here in Malaysia when when the lockdown happened and we can't go out. We can't do grocery. We have to do everything online. Right. So a friend of mine had a very big puzzle. Uh, you know, like the 1,000 yeah, yes. 1, pieces and all that. I was trying to finish it, and it was Emerald Lake in Canada. It's one of the most photographed places in the world. And it was so beautiful. I didn't get to finish it, but it was a beautiful <laughs> place. And when, like after a year or so, which was around 2021, I was thinking, where do I go next? And I really wanted to be far from Asia because, you know, it's just because I want to go out. Like if I'm going to spend, then I want to be far, far away. And I remember doing that puzzle and how beautiful the place is and whatnot. So I started researching about it. And apparently there's so much to see in Canada. So yeah, I went there. I went to Banff. I skated in Lake Louise. There was nobody there because it was still, you know, the Omicron pandemic and whatnot. Did you bring your own skates? No, you have to rent there. But the lake was frozen. It was snowing. And... I was with two other people, one from Toronto and one from Australia. And so the three of us, I told them I don't skate, but I don't get the chance to skate in Lake Louise, right? So I might as well do it. So we were skating. They were holding my hands, taking my photos. I don't even know them. That was my first time. too. But that's, again, the beauty of, you know, traveling, meeting these people. And we were sharing stories. We were laughing. We were talking to each other and we were skating. And we went snowshoeing. Snowshoeing. Does it look like the racket? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's snowshoeing, right? It's I think so. I think so. Snowshoe. Yeah. So we also did that around um, the around the lake and around the hotel. It was very fun. Um, yeah. So I went to Banff and then the Yukon, the Yukon area. But my impression of Canada would be things are far apart from each other. Is that true? Um, yeah, I did take. A few domestic flights when I was there. Wow. But it was relatively cheap during the time because it was still uh, the pandemic part. Mm. It might be a lot more expensive now. Now, maybe, uh, yes. So maybe it was a good thing that <laughs> yeah. you did it at that time. Yeah, but I want to go back, actually. Oh. But I want to try their summer because Emerald Lake was close. It's only open during summer. So is it really green? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what they're saying. Because uh, my friend went this year and the, the photo really looked like how it was in the puzzle. Okay, so that's something to look forward to. Yes. Since you mentioned Asia, let's talk about your favorite places around the continent. It's going to be Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the first will be Philippines if we talk about beaches. Because... I do a lot of what I do is in the ocean. So the best beaches I've seen are in the Philippines. 
but other countries that are ASEAN. Did you say ASEAN or Asia? Asia in general. Okay. So because then it would be Japan. I love Japan. Their food, it's my go-to. Uh, you know, if I don't know what to eat, Japanese will always be a good idea. But also their culture and um, even, you know, when you go to Tokyo and or Hokkaido or even Osaka, uh, there's so much to see. There's so much culture to learn. Also, my favorite ski destination is in Japan, which is in Niseko. Uh, I'm not good at skating, but if I were, I would go there almost every year. It's just so expensive. Um, but it was a very good experience. It's really powdered snow. I haven't seen like a snow like that before. Oh, it's very famous for that. Yes. Yes. Maybe that's why it's so expensive. No? It's like <laughs> yeah. how many places in the world can have snow like that? It was super expensive, but worth it. If I remember correctly, we may have been on the same trip to Japan. Did you go to Nagoya? Oh, that was another one. Yes, yes, yes. We were, yeah, right. Yes. Do you remember the, that trip? Yes, the one with, I forgot what the place, with the small huts and... Ah, Shirakawa Go. Yes, yes. Yes. Ah, so that place, they have the A-frame houses. Yes. Um, that time we went, it was already spring, so it wasn't as, you know, picturesque as the postcards which would be like super uh, snowy and the roofs are all covered with snow but it was still very pretty and it was good to know about how people survive during the winter yes. because they only have a few hours of sun right if i remember it correctly that was one of the things they were highlighting during winter but i also like the other one we went to it's the alpine area mm. i think Tateyama Kurobe Alpine Route. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the top of the mountain was really good. Ah, and well, the snow was melting already mm. by that time, but it was still pretty high. So it's like, it's hard to imagine how snow can pile up so high and not fall on you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a good trip too. That was pretty cool. And not the usual, you know. Um, when you go Japan, usually people think, you know, Tokyo or mm. Kyoto yeah. or uh, where would people go? Hokkaido, I guess. Yes. Um, around Nagoya, it's actually quite uh, good to explore as well. In Southeast Asia, do you have any favorites? It's going to be a mix of Indonesia and Thailand. Indonesia, they have a lot to offer when it comes to also the beach. Um, I like Labuan Bajo. I went diving in Labuan Bajo. That was really good. And it was my first time to see a shark. They have the... Where you climb the a hill or just a small mountain. And you can oversee three types of beaches. One with pink sand. One with the normal white sand. And then a black sand. So that was also an amazing view. And... They also have the Gilis, the Gili Islands. So that was also, also nice. Also in the area? No, not there. So there's Labuan Bajo, and then you can go to Gili Terwangan, Gili... Uh, for Lombok, I guess. Yes, yeah. yes, for that area. And of course, they do have a lot of good surfing spots. Mm. Thailand, I love their food. <laughs> I didn't get to ask you about your favorite beaches in the Philippines. 
Well, there's a small island called Camigin in Philippines. That's where I learned how to free dive and also scuba dive. And it's not very popular, but they really have good islands, white sand and clear blue water where you can train or where you can just do fun dives. So it's my go-to whenever I need to relax. But the other place would also be Bohol. Mm. I know, you know, a lot of people would say Boracay. Boracay is nice. Um, I guess the the more I get older, I would choose places where there's not a lot of um, people, I guess. So Bohol is nice for both family and solo travel. So yeah, probably Bohol and Kamigin. So there are domestic flights to Tagbilaran for Bohol. Correct. And in Bohol, there are quite a few things to do, right? Yes, yes. So you would have, you know, the island hopping if you want. There's diving. There's also, mm, there's a lot of historical places when you do the city tour. And food is also good. So you can try different Filipino food when you're there. And we also have the chocolate hills. So that's one of the that's one of uh, the more popular ones when it's your first time to visit Bohol and also finding the Tarshirs. So yeah, there's a lot of things to do in Bohol. It's a small primate if you've never seen a photo yes. with very googly eyes. Yes, it's very small even in real life. To Kamigin, you have to take a ferry from Cagayan de Oro. Yes, there's. Uh, so you could do that. The other option is you fly into Cebu mm-hmm. and then take another domestic flight from Cebu to Camigin. I see. In Camigin, did you dive the sunken cemetery? I know where that is, but I think I haven't. Because we had our usual go-to training places when we do the, the free dive and the scuba dive, but I've heard it's also a very nice spot. That's what I remember from Kamigin. Apart from its, you know, hot spring, cold spring, all the volcanic things, also yeah. waterfall. And they do have a lot of waterfalls. Yeah. How much do you plan for your trips? Oh, I do decks. You do <laughs> decks, an entire deck. I have decks and Excel sheets. Oh, wow. I mean, I do it for work. So I also do it for my personal life. With images. With images of the place, uh, a small, a a short description of what that place is. Like I do a few research and then a photo inspiration of what I want to wear when I go into that place. (laughs) Influencer mode. But even if it's a solo trip or is it always... Yes. Even if it's a solo. So it, it started because when we were creating content for work, we would do it for the influencers and we would do it for the storyboards and the mood boards and the production team. So it became a habit and we started doing it um, within the team. And then, yeah, now whenever I travel, I, go, I always get the itch to, to do it because if I don't do it, I feel like I'm not prepared. so I do I do do it um, even if it's a solo travel but and I have the itinerary what I'm gonna do per day what time what's the contact how much it would cost me but when I'm there already it's not very strict but it's there so that I know the guidelines and you know I know what I'm gonna do when I get to a place because 
if you don't, then you actually don't know. You know, there's a lot of things that can happen when you go into a destination. The least that you could do is be prepared in terms of what transportation you're going to use or what transportation is actually available in that place. Do you need to change currency or whatnot? Or you can just use credit card. You know, if you don't get a guide, especially because most of the my travels, if there's no guide or no tour guide with me or the place doesn't offer it, I can't just go there and look at the place and then know nothing about it, right? So a little of the background research helps. But the one with the photos of what I'm going to wear is really just more for my Instagram. <laughs> so, yeah. But have you ever actually, like, bought clothes to match your deck? Because that was... Like the mood board. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. I wouldn't I wouldn't buy clothes for it. I wouldn't buy like I need this because this is what I'm gonna wear on my first day. I wouldn't change midday so that I have two different costumes for one day. I wouldn't go that far, but I just wanna make sure that what I'm wearing is also also fits the place that I'm going to. Because preparing for it is, you know, mostly what gets you excited. I don't know where I read it, but it, they did say that planning for a trip is actually a, a way to de-stress. So sometimes when I am stressed with work, what I do is, you know, I search for where do I want to go next? And you just have something to look forward to. What do you splurge on the most? Would it be food, your accommodation? In general, it would be experiences. So going into a lot of different places or areas and doing tours that might be, you know, you will go out of your way and you need to pay somebody to get you there. I would, I would spend for that. On accommodations, when I was younger, I would choose hostels. There's nothing wrong with hostels, but when I guess, again, when you get older, you want more privacy and whatnot. So now I find myself splurging also in accommodations, but not so much. It depends on how much time I would actually spend in the hotel. Because most of the time, if it will require you to just sleep there and then the next day you're out early morning, it doesn't make sense to, to get a very expensive room. But if you have a day or two or a half day where you can just stay in bed, then it's worth it. Since you've been traveling for quite some time, do you have any travel tips or travel hacks that you can share? Well, as we say in Air Asia, you book your tickets way advance, so you get cheaper fares. But um, it also helps to do some research so that you actually know where you're going, and it's very much, and you're creating your trip based on your interests and what you really want to do. Booking online is always, or most of the time, cheaper. But it also depends on the destination where you're going. So research. I guess doing research, comparing prices, that would also um, that would also help you see if you you know you've got the best deal available. Also making sure that you know what you are expecting to see in that place and what you really want to do in that place. Because if you just want to go there because somebody else told you it's nice and they had a good time, but you don't have a personal reason for doing it. It's not as rewarding. So from my end, when I do traveling, it's very intentional. 
in a sense that you don't travel for the sake of traveling. You travel because you have a personal purpose or personal reason for exploring that place. And in that way, it becomes more of like your own journey. And, you know, it gives you a different perspective. So I guess a key word there would be being intentional and having a purpose for visiting that place. May it be personal or may it be because you want to visit another person or you want to understand, you know, another person's perspective. It always gives a different meaning and that meaning will always be yours. Again, very philosophical (laughs) and very intentional. It's a good way to think about life in general, not just uh, travel as well. Do you still travel solo? Uh, I've just started again, um, but mostly my my travels for the past year uh, is a mix of because I needed to go to a wedding. I'm at that age. So because it's a new destination for me anyway, I would go and explore. If there are certain parts of it where I'm traveling with friends and then there's some parts of it where I'm traveling solo because I, one, thing, one thing I've learned over the years is you know, if you don't like to go somewhere, don't go there because your friends are going there. Because, you know, unless, of course, you're not, you're not very strict with it, then it's okay. You don't need to explain yourself if you don't want to go in a place. They wouldn't hate you for doing it. So what I do now is when, when I like the place, I go with my friends. If I don't, I tell them. But over the years, I've learned to say no when I don't want to go. Yeah. What would be your criteria for choosing a location? I would go hiking and I would go diving or I would go and try skydiving even. But I wouldn't go for a day of shopping or a day of nightlife. Maybe when I was younger that that was okay. And I would still do it a few times per month now but yeah in terms of traveling I would go and you know I want to wake up early in the morning have a very good breakfast and then start walking around cultural places and all that so yeah so now your friends already know when to ask you I think or at least they prepare me for it as long as I'm my energy is prepared for it because I'm an introvert so I really get tired like even now um at work so I work with my team right and they know sometimes um I wouldn't have lunch with new people in the team not because and my first time was it's not because I hate them or I don't like them it's just I want to spend time alone and you know and I would tell them tomorrow I will join you and then I will join the next day so it has been I've been very vocal when it comes to this is what I want to do now, um, if that's okay with you. So at least they know, right, that it's not about them. It's just me also managing my finite resources, which is my energy. So finally, what's on your travel bucket list now? So that would be Iceland. Um, not only for the Northern Lights, but also I want to see geological landscapes that are based um, that are there and then also India so India is close to us because we fly you know Air Asia flies to India you haven't been at all I haven't been wow I was supposed to go 2019 or 2020 but then 
the pandemic happened, so it was I didn't push through with it. But yeah, I'm quite excited with India. I'm going next in in November for a wedding, but I'm also extending to see the Golden Triangle. So I'm quite excited about that. Mm. But yeah, India and Iceland would be in the top. Uh, definitely two countries with a lot to offer. Yes. So I'm excited for you. Thank you. Uh, do you know which cities in India you're going to? So Delhi. So the Golden Triangle will be the Delhi, Agra, Jaipur. And then I might see a little bit of Mumbai just because the wedding of my friend is somewhere there. Oh, that's quite a different location. Yes. So you'll get to see a, a spectrum of the country. Yeah. So now, any final words for aspiring travelers or those who have not had the courage to go solo? What would you give them as advice? Well, if you haven't done a solo travel, it's definitely something that is worth doing. If it will help you get to know more about yourself, it also builds your self-confidence and your self-awareness but also it opens you up to a new world because you will have that vulnerability of actually talking to different people um, whether you're because you're lost or because you want to find directions or you know you're done eating by yourself for like four days now you start talking to random oh, no. strangers yes. <laughs> but it's a very different experience and you gotta try it at least once in your life my courage only came from the idea that I didn't want to, I didn't want to live in fear. And I didn't, and, and the fear is because I was just afraid to do it by myself. So, you know, there's always, you could always do it slowly. Start with a place where you're very comfortable in. And then from there, the more that you do it, then the more that it would be also easier for you. So yeah, just go have fun. And again, have, uh, have, an, in have an intention or have a purpose of doing it. And while you're doing that journey, just keep that in mind. Thank you so much, Len. Thank you so much for having me here. It has been such a wonderful philosophical and also like a purpose-based... I hope everything that I said made sense. <laughs> it makes sense to me. I don't know about other people. <laughs> but thank, thank you for having me here. Yeah. So thank you, Len, for joining us today. And if you picked up a new idea for your next trip, tell a friend about this podcast. I'm Abby, and this has been All Stars in Transit, where I talk travel with the people working behind the scenes at AirAsia. Life's a trip. Enjoy the journey.